Hello and welcome back to Reality Speaks. This is your host, Jake and Orton, and this is a podcast where we ask questions and try to answer questions. Questions that include, what does the Bible really say? What is really going on in this world? And what are we as Christians supposed to do about it? We believe here that the biblical definition of a word, the biblical definition of a job, a role, etc., is the true definition. There is no other definition. The definition is the biblical definition. That was said last week when we were talking about the biblical definition of a woman, and today we are talking about the biblical definition of a man. Absolutely awesome podcast last week, and I am absolutely certain that you will enjoy this one just as much, and you will learn just as much from our guest today, Pastor Roy Marin of Truth Apostolic Church in Madisonville, Kentucky. Uh, Pastor Roy is absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal, I don't know where my words are going, but um, absolutely phenomenal conversation from Pastor Roy, thank you so much for being on, and once again, if the opportunity ever arises, it would be great to have you back again. Anyway, without further ado, let's just get into this episode where we talk about being a biblical man. And we are ready to go. I'm going to set that where everyone should be able to hear it. So, hello, welcome back again to reality speaks and we are continuing last week's discussion of gender and the modern world and being a biblical man is today's topic we have with us pastor roy marion i believe i i i think i said that right Pretty, pretty, pretty close. Sure. You know, pretty sure. Marion, Kentucky. Marion, Marion. Marion. Yeah. That's all right. Yeah. Um, that twang. Marion. He's from Marion. Oh, Lord. <laughs> we are off to a great start, guys. This is this is a great start. Uh, well, pa- Pastor Roy is pretty much my brother-in-law. <laughs> pretty much. That's right. I mean, the actual brother-in-law is sitting off camera as always uh but um it is complicated to explain why i say that but not really i mean my dad's brother married my mom's sister and we pretty much considered the cousins on that side of the family sisters and pastor roy married the oldest sister Yep. And he is the pastor in Madisonville, Kentucky at Truth Apostolic Church. Anything else that you would like to tell us about yourself? 
Um, well, I did marry the oldest daughter. Um, if I were to take my hat off right now, you'd uh, see a little bit of my age, even though I'm not as old uh, as I look until I do take my hat off because I'm bald and young. <laughs> but, uh, um, but yes, I am one of the pastors underneath uh, senior pastor uh, Michael Orton. He's my, my he is my pastor, also my father-in-law. Great man, uh, married to a beautiful woman, Tracy. Um, Tracy used to be Orton Marin. I wish she was here tonight. I know she would have a lot of good input. She's actually a lot smarter than I am, but, but anyways, yeah, we're, uh, uh, you know, we could say a whole lot, but I, I, I do appreciate the fact that, um, Jake can ask me to be on this podcast. I, I promise you, especially after hearing last week's, I was even more nervous, but I know God has something he wants to accomplish. And, uh, in, in the world we're living in, this is something very important that we need to, we need to do. Yeah, um, one of the first things I thought of when I thought about this man issue is that unlike women, women have this tendency to women have this tendency to connect with other women a lot easier than men connect with other men. What what is it that why is it that men have issue just having male friends? I think, man, it's not even just connecting with men. It's men have a connection problem in general. Men connect with God. Women, in my experience, um, just from what I've seen, women connect better with women. Women connect better with men, and women connect better with God. Women just connect better in general. Mm-hmm. Men have this big P word that's called pride. And it's like we have an extremely hard time connecting with that inner part of us that says, hey, just open up. Just, mm-hmm. and, and I will tell you from experience, and I'm probably going to have a lot of confession in this, okay? Because so, I want to be as real as possible. All right. So and the only way to do that is talk about myself. But um, my wife and I in October will be celebrating 13 years of marriage. And if you were to ask her, she could tell you, one of our biggest arguments used to be, listen, I just want you to talk to me. Um, I just want you to open up. Why? I know there's something going on. And, and when you have, and I don't want to get too deep, but when you have a problem in relationship uh, opening up, most of the time you probably have a problem with your spiritual walk with God opening up as well. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you, that was me. I struggled with my prayer life. Um, I'm not saying I never prayed, but I did struggle. I didn't have consistency. And because I didn't know how to open up to my wife, I really didn't know how to open up to God either. And, you know, we make it so complicated. I feel like, and I know this is going on forever, but I feel like sometimes we're trying to read uh, the Shakespearean novel and pray the perfect prayer when God's just asking us to talk to him mm. and our wives are the same way, you know, just talk to me. That's, that's all I want. And, uh, when I was able to open up, we, um, developed a, a much greater relationship. Um, we're greater friends. We're greater companions. There's more trust there. Uh, the word of God says, confess your faults one to another. And, um, it doesn't even have to be a fault. It could just be something you're dealing with. Confess. Open your mouth. And uh, you don't even have to pay your wife $100 an hour. <laughs> so, I mean, she might ask for a Michael Kors purse or something. But, I mean, you don't, 
uh, psychiatrists, and I say this all the time, psychiatrists, psychologists, they get paid lots of money, and all they're a- asking you to do is lay on a couch, and they say, well, how does this make you feel? What are they getting you to do? They're getting you to talk. They're getting you to speak. There's healing in speaking because you're getting things off your chest. And if you can't speak to a human being, speak to God because he knows all anyway. Uh, I was actually, um, I've actually heard there's psychologists listen to sometimes online, Dr. Henry Cloud. And basically he says, you know, honestly, if people would have friendships and just get along with each other, they would, if people have friendships and open up to each other, they'd probably drive us out of business. That's right. Because if you just get along with other people, but he said, but the thing is we don't, so business is going to be going well for a while. Right. Something I kind of thought of uh, is you talked about pride. I also think something, because you talked about something that you've dealt with, well, as a, as a dude, as another dude, with my own dude stuff, <laughs> something I have is complacency. And I think a lot of guys have complacency. And that goes through connection because it's like I have complacent connections with people at work where I'm just like, hey, man, what's up? And they're like, hey. And that's as deep as it goes. It's you nothing get a else. haircut. Yeah. And like, it doesn't go any further than that. <laughs> I think that stems to like a some men deal with like complacency. And that stems to like your walk with God, it's like, mm-hmm. well, why are you not praying for me? It's like, well, no, I'm just... Well, it's just almost like, um, the difference between a relationship and an acquaintance, or or Brother Jacob said the word uh, friend. Yeah. There's a difference, you know, we can all call each other friends, but at the end of the day, we're really not, because there's a difference between a friendship and an acquaintance. Yeah. And what you're talking about, Texas, is we have acquaintances at work, but can you really call a lot of those guys your buddies? your friends you know you might say oh hey buddy but i mean you're going in to do your job you're going to be polite and that's just and going any further than that takes effort i I mean i think (laughs) i feel like most people at most jobs uh are at best an acquaintance and at worst an enemy honestly (laughs) i mean there's a few times you'll end up with someone who's your best Buddy or I kind of think though that uh, that is a man thing. It probably is. I got one of the best friends I ever had from work. Definitely, that's what it's like. Just dudes. No. It's, it's. I mean, but no. We we get in trouble because we were talking too much, all the time. I do that with someone at work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I believe you could probably do that without it's, somebody who's your best friend. I'm assuming too. it's the. Get, I'm, <laughs> I'm assuming it's the man that you knew before you started working with. That him. sounded really derogatory. I did not mean it that way. <laughs> I meant the difference between a woman and a man is even yeah. if that woman was wasn't your best friend. That's what I you meant. can you can connect with a girl out there. She might not be just your greatest friend, but just the fact that y'all are both females give you gives you so much to connect with, and you're gonna find an avenue somehow. I mean, honestly, there's, there, there's this one comedian I like listening to. Two episodes in a row mentioned comedians I like listening to. Right. <laughs> but uh, he talks a whole lot about the fact that men and women are so different. It's kind of the whole basis of his entire show. Uh, and he, he just uh, mentions the fact he said, a girl will, uh, a girl will talk to a random stranger and be like, oh, I love your shoes and this and that, and they're just in the bathroom with each other. <laughs> They will find something. I love your shoes. I love your hair. I love this. I love that. He said, you know the most a guy will ever say to another guy about his hair? Do you get a haircut? Yep. 
thought so. <laughs> like, right. a lot of times I measure a conversation. Like, I meet somebody new, like a new guy. I'm just like, they usually mention something about, like, fishing, something outdoors I like to do. If they don't like to do that, then it's like, well, there's, like, a thousand things I can't talk to you about. Time to move on. <laughs> Time to go on. <laughs> yeah. I tried. Tried. Oh, well. Yeah, and just this whole issue of communication, it's from the very beginning. It's right there. And I believe that whole area right there is just the key difference. It's one of the biggest differences. It's just how open are you <laughs> to... That's one of the biggest key differences between men and women. Um, right. So, what is it? Who... We, we mentioned this question last week. Who... We mentioned who is the best role model in the Bible according as far as a woman. Who do you think is the best role model in the Bible as far as a man? Um, Other than Jesus. Other than Jesus? I, I mean, Jesus Mama is a physical man. Camera, um, Jesus. Yes, I would like to mention that we do have a few distractions in the room tonight. We have Sister Cheryl, Brother Daniel, and a beautiful baby boy. Um, and it would not offend me one bit if they did chime in, but we'd probably be here till midnight. Um, <laughs> So I would I would feel like saying Jesus would almost be cheating, but obviously, yeah, exactly. obviously, let's say Jesus would be. But after that, um, it would be very very hard for me to narrow one down. I, uh, Sister Rachel Carpenter talked spoke about David, and that was also her celebrity crush. <laughs> and uh, just for David. the sake of. Um, my marriage, I'm not going to mention a celebrity crush because um, although living over 2,000 years ago, um, I like to protect the sanctity of my marriage and therefore the word crush and any other woman beside my wife is not going to be mentioned, okay? So um, so let me just say that. But um, my, let me just say there are so many, I could use David, I could use Abraham, I could use Moses, but let me just say this, one of my favorite Bible characters, and I've actually put a lot down here. It's probably not all going to be covered, but I studied a lot about him, and I have in the past also, is Job. And uh, probably not one that a lot of people would mention, but Job, you know, the book of Job is the, is the oldest book in the Bible. Um, look what Job went through. I mean, look, look at what he faced. He was faced with turmoil. I mean, as soon as you start reading the book of Job, it's like, Okay, he's perfect, he's upright, he's this awesome, Jesus, or, you know, God just starts describing him as this awesome man, and then it's like, boom, you know, lost his children, lost his livelihood, lost his livestock, lost his home, <clears throat> and it says still he retained his integrity through all this, and the fact that Job, um, he starts out being described as perfect, but he continues to have that balance and consistency. And and then, you know, we're talking about wives a little bit in this podcast also. Then he has, not only does he have his so-called friends, which I would say they were just jerks. They weren't friends. Who, who this basically, is why men don't talk to each other so yeah, well. <laughs> who were being accused, or who were accusing Job of being this, this sinner for about 40 chapters of the Bible. Um, oh, well, all this is going on in your life. You're, you're automatically a sinner, which we all do that way too much. That's another conversation. But not only did he have that going on for 40 chapters, 
Then he has his own spouse, the person who's supposed to be closest to him. Amen. I'm going to say wife for the sake of uh, our generation. I'm not going to say spouse. He had his own wife um, in our culture who looked at him and said, why don't you curse God and die? So why don't you curse? It's, you know, so that, that's like us saying, hey, why don't you just put a gun up to your head and pull the trigger? You know, and Job is able to look at him, look at her through all that he's gone through and says, you speak like a foolish woman. And, um, and I actually, Job chapter 27, verse three through six, all the while my breath is in me and the spirit of God is in my nostrils. My, my lips shall not speak wickedness, nor my tongues utter deceit. Um, and I don't, that's not actually the one I was going to put on there, but, uh, God forbid that I should justify you till I die. I will not remove my integrity from me. My righteousness, I hold fast and will not let it go. My heart shall not reproach me but what he actually tells her and i thought i had it on here this must be one that i didn't put on here but what he actually tells her is basically should i receive good at the hand of god but not evil yeah job had enough wisdom to realize what was going on in on in his world was coming from god sure it was satan's hand but it was satan's hand at the permission of god yeah and it said you, am I supposed to keep my integrity while I'm living the good life, while I'm on the mountaintop, mm-hmm. and then sink into the valley and all of a sudden backslide? Wow. Yeah. So to me, Job was like just the ultimate bad boy. You know, he's like this ultimate man. And did did it say that he didn't fuss? Did it say that you know he didn't whine? Mm-hmm. Of course he did. He complained. The, even even uh, God got angry. Mm-hmm. Even Jesus went into the temple and. You know, kicked over the money chambers and got angry, but he he didn't sin. Amen. And through all that, uh, he's just my big example. Yeah, absolutely. I I think that is really such a key because he does he exemplifies uh, not just that he exemplifies being able the right way to treat your friends, the right way to treat a wife, and the right way to treat his kids. In the fact, he was. Sacrificing and taking care of his kids. Wow! Was, yes, and that just was, uh, that just uh, kind of exemplifies what we're talking about. He was willing to point out about. to his wife. Yeah. He said he was willing to be a spiritual leader in the home by telling his wife, "No, we're not gonna turn away from this." And also, he was at the end of it all. He prayed for God to forgive the men who the whole time was tearing into him. And just, yes. Yeah, and obviously these men are considered friends. Which means they had some sort of relationship before this went down. Just don't know exactly what it was. Right. Uh, so there's so much hidden context in some of these things sometimes. So. But, you know, also, I think there's something to be said. And this is not just for men. This is for men, women, children. You know, there's something to be said about his response. Yeah. There is. Because how many times, how, how is our attitude when somebody is just false accusing us? Mm. You know, what does the Bible say about those who speak all manner of evil against us? You know, how is our attitude? I mean, like, uh, Sister Bethany was telling a story. I'm not going to go into detail about uh, something before we started this podcast. And she said, I just wanted to, ooh, she just wanted to give him peace. But she didn't. I mean, I'm sure she ran him down behind doors, maybe. But but she didn't. She had enough self-control. But you're faced with adversity. You're faced with all this going on, and you have people doing nothing but false accusing you for all these chapters. And it doesn't say. I'm. I'm sure we could probably stu- go do a deep study on what the exact uh, timing was in all this. 
But, I mean, he was able to still stay humble in his responses. He was, I mean, and us, we would want, we'd be praying for the Holy Ghost to stay on us so we're not cussing them out. You know, it's like, excuse me, you're not going to talk to me like that. First of all, my, uh, a whirlwind might just destroyed my house, but you're still on my land. <laughs> no, he let them speak into his life for 40 chapters of, of Job and then had enough humility to obey God and pray for his friends to see the outcome turned over. Yeah. And I, I there's I'm a really long-winded in my responses. Yeah. Well, th- there's this uh, actually a message I kind of I, I preached a little while back about Job and it's something about coming to the end of the story and it says just how long it, it says he he gets the, he gets double. It all comes back double in the end of the story. But how long did that take? <laughs> and exactly. how how long he was willing to stay faithful? How long did it take for him and his wife to maybe get past some of the issues and somehow have ten kids at the end of it. Yeah, right. And I've always wondered because we only assume the part about the wife. Yeah. Because as far as I know, I, I mean, I can go back and read it, but I don't think it says he had this, he had double these children with the same woman. We know back in, in those days, a lot of times they had multiple wives. And, oh, I shouldn't have said that. But anyway, <laughs> let's not go there. But you know what I'm saying? We're actually only assuming about that part. Yeah. But that's a, that's another thing. I mean... He somehow had to come to reconcile and get over some of this stuff enough to be able to come back double. And I would say that he did because God still called him. It says through all this, he, through he, all this, he retained he his integrity. Not, nor, he stayed nor charged God foolishly. Exactly. Yeah. One of the key elements that seems to stick in all across this manhood stuff is that men are supposed to lead. Um, I, I actually was kind of writing some of this down recently. I was like, what, what exactly is it that you would say is the core elements of what it takes to be a man? This is another one of those hard questions. Oh, yeah. Um, there's, uh, uh, there's a lot, <laughs> but I put... Um, First of all, I feel like I'm being a copycat because even though Rachel Carpenter is definitely a woman, not a man, yeah. like when you asked her that question, what would you say? You asked her, and I'm really actually surprised that I'm able to remember this because my memory's terrible. Yeah. But like, what you asked her, what would you say to a man if you uh, About, if you were to say, what would you want a man to be like? To, and to help, yeah. Because this is the 21st century. And because, not just the 21st century, but 2021, and yeah, buddy, <laughs> and, uh, and because we're facing all the adversity that we are against um, manhood and against um, all this, you know, we have all this inclusivity. I would say, first of all, I'm going to echo what she said, be a man. Mm-hmm. And when I say that, that's not me, oh, that's easy to say, you're a man. Um, you are a man, you know. No, it's no, it's not easy to say. When I say that, I'm not talking about being uh, a male chauvinist pig. I'm not talking about you know being a macho, you know, bad boy who just my way or the highway. You don't I'm saying look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Exactly. I'm saying be a man. First of all, be manly. That doesn't mean you have to have the thickest beard on your face or have the biggest muscles. That means. Be masculine because that's what God made you to be. Um, one thing I put on here was balance. 
a man needs to be balanced, mm-hmm. you know, because we're living in an age of um, confusion. There's so much double-mindedness. There's so many choices. The world wants to offer you choices. I mean, you could choose what, what uh, gender you want to be when you're three years old. Um, they go, we're taking this too far. Are we allowed to take it that far? Go ahead. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, there's choices. You know, there's choices <laughs> everywhere. And I feel like that's one thing a man needs to be is, first of all, an, a man. Um, godly, biblical, biological definition of a man. But a man needs to have balance. And when I say balance is you can... There, there are men, and especially, let me say this, there are husbands, um, but it's not just husbands, it applies to all men, but there are husbands that want to be so far one way, they're so masculine that they won't even allow their kids to speak to them or their wives to speak with to them without just having this angry, manly response, you know, or it goes all the way the other way. They're just these big sissies, and I'm, yeah, I'm going to say it, they're just these big sissies who want to let the woman control the house. They want to let the women make all the decisions. Um, And what you're doing is you're messing with the godly balance of what God wants your home to be and what God wants a man to be. And by being too far one way and too far the other way, what you need is the perfect balance of masculinity, and you also need the perfect balance of that love. Yeah. And you need to be able to lead your home in prayer, lead your wives, your children, in, in godliness, uh, and uh, you are um, the authority in your home. So I'm not sure if I really even answered the question, but anyway, yeah, uh, I'm sure we'll get around I, to it later. I, I, I think I think so. Uh, when I was uh, thinking about this uh, on Saturday, just kind of writing some stuff down, I, I wrote down lead, love, pray, and give. Lead, love, pray, and give because. I, I think that boils yeah. it down. I think that's pretty much what you said there. Yeah, and um, I actually wrote a little list, which is like, and we could make a list like, you know, the size of like Santa Claus good and bad list, right? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> but like, and we, and there's no Santa Claus for all you kids that are watching. I hate to destroy your hopes. Um, <laughs> but I put, you know, you can be a crying shoulder, but you can also be a firm voice. Yeah. You can be a listener, but you can also be a leader. Yeah. And I put a man of stability. Mm-hmm. So, and that sure. just that's just a few things. I mean, that that's really that that is the key. It and really it, it is such a um it, it does have to be a balance because somehow you have to you have to be able to fight for what you believe in but also be comforting enough to um Brother Gleason put out this illustration when he was talking about being uh being married. He said he said, men are Tupperware, and women are fine china. <laughs> right. He said, we're ugly, but we don't break easy. <laughs> we're, 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 we're not perfect, but we don't break easy. But she's beautiful, and she's wonderful. But if you, if you drop it the same way that you drop the Tupperware, you're going to shatter it. Yeah. He said, so you have to be, as you said, the shoulder to cry on, but also able to stand up yeah yeah, so that and then and that takes you can add a couple more adjectives i guess to that list and that would take maybe some wisdom and some understanding oh yeah you know because you can a woman can ask you or let me say it this way uh my goodness i gotta i gotta tread carefully here okay but a a, a woman can give you her opinion right (laughs) and um you know 
and even if you might even ask for it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but giving that same response back, okay, and that's where it takes wisdom and it takes understanding because exactly like you said, where they speak into our lives as the Tupperware because Tupperware, you can just throw in that one cabinet that, you know, as soon as you open the door, it's all going to fall out on you, right? But China, you can't do that with. You have to be... You have to be very tedious. You have to place it very gently, and you have to be soft. Just say what you mean. And um, say what you mean. But we, but 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 you know, some women say that. Say what you mean, and they will say, "I want you." I just just tell me what you want. And when it comes to Bethany and Texas relationship, because Texas obviously you know has a problem with speaking his mind. <laughs> just oh. to bust him out on, on, on let's, let's bust Texas out here on, on podcasts um, but that's not true we say that we want other people to speak their minds but we don't every word that is spoken by I don't care who it is it takes root in us and it takes it grows in our minds and you might say that you want that and you might say it doesn't affect you, but at some point they might not even. They, it might have been a week since they you've had that conversation. That's gonna grow and it's gonna take root, and there will be a time where you think about it. Yeah, but I didn't so. say say what whatever you want to say, whatever you want to say is. It goes to the, back to the permission, but, right? Yeah. Well, what I what I'm saying is uh, kind of like the the China and the Tupperware mm-hmm. uh, like comparison with men. You could just throw your words. And they're gonna forget about it ten minutes later unless you're actively having an argument. Oh, you're saying more so. But like with them, a woman, yeah. you have to make sure you you mean to put what you're putting where you're putting it when you put up fine china, because if you put up fine china just any other way like you would Tupperware, it's gonna break. It's gonna be not so fine china. Yeah. <laughs> so you're saying intentionality then? Yeah. Yeah. Be intentional. So, say, yeah. say what you mean. But make sure you, you say it to properly. Say and put it in the right spot. Right. Say what you mean, but say it in a way that you mean to say it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that goes to, and that goes yeah. to, um, and you can go all over the internet. You can probably go on YouTube. You can go to listen to a lot of different people teach about love languages and um, you know our pers- our own specific personality and how every. You know, how people receive things differently. Some people are word of affirmation people. Some people are like, you know, the touch people, etc., etc. I mean, so there's just, uh, <laughs> there's wisdom in how we do everything according to who we are dealing with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and that's the thing. The advice that you give one husband could be totally different advi- different yeah. than the advice you give a different, another husband. Yeah. The advice you give one son could be totally different from the advice you give one another son about how to deal with the mother or with the father or grandmother, whoever you're dealing with, coworker, boss. It's different for everyone. I've had. Uh, yes. <laughs> I have had. I have worked at multiple different jobs, and the way I've had to talk to every boss has been completely different. The way that you talk to every Definitely. every youth group kid is different. The way you talk to every person in your family. Even, you can live in the same house, but you're going to have to talk differently to every person in that house. <laughs> and that just comes with, really, um, a lot of that comes with respect, too. I mean, you... Um, that's one thing. I did, I've heard this. It seems like I've heard this a lot lately. I can't remember. This is something you guys spoke about. But... 
did you guys hear Brother Giffen talk about um, um, permission, like having permission to say, like he was using the example of, uh, because he's the pastor of, um, of a church, and he was saying, anybody can talk to me, um, and you can, you can tell me your feelings, but you can't say it just any way you want to say it. Um, you don't have permission and that's what we that's what we think. Sometimes we think we just have permission to say things exactly. Well, I don't care how they take it. I'm I don't really care. I'm just going to tell them like it is. And what you don't realize, you're a part of 7.9 billion other people on this earth. Your opinion is not the end end all and be all. And a lot of people watching this and listening to this, especially from TAC, you're going to say, wow, he needs to look in the mirror when he says that. <laughs> uh, so I'm just going to say, I, I, I'm working on it, TAC. Um, but, you know, sometimes we think that it's like our opinion is just this, this right here and like they need to hear it because it's just going to change their life. Uh, but at, as Ben Shapiro likes to say, facts don't care about your feelings. <laughs> facts don't care. And, that, and that's the thing about an opinion. You know, one way to be more convincing in a conversation, one way to, and I don't want to say win a conversation because our goal should never to be to win a conversation. It should be to have a successful conversation. Mm-hmm. Is, like you said, Bethany, an opinion might could be wrong, but a fact cannot be wrong. So if you have such a strong opinion, first of all, Examine your feelings because we are we we have too many conversations based on emotions. So examine your emotions, examine your feelings, um, but then examine your information mm-hmm. because there's a lot of, of of assumptions that go into conversations, and we're only seeing this side of it. We're not seeing every side of the story. We need to make sure that we're facing conversations factually and not with emotions and opinions. Because if you go into a conversation with facts. It's hard to deny facts, mm-hmm. but when you're just throwing all your opinions, I think this, I think that, you need to do this. Okay, who are you? What made you the expert? What, what psychology degree did you get at what college? Uh, are you Jesus? Oh, oh, okay, I didn't think so. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, oh boy. Mm. Yeah, so here's the thing. You're called to be a leader as a man. And I heard I heard Brother Court Chavis preaching this I think he preached it this Father's Day at his church. and was talking about Nehemiah. He said, you know, you look throughout the Old Testament, you hear about the callings of pretty much everyone in the, in the New Testament, or the Old Testament. He said, you don't hear that story with Nehemiah. Nehemiah just heard that there was a problem, and he decided, I've got to fix this. Right. He just heard there was a problem. Someone came to the palace and said, he asked, How, how's Jerusalem? He, and they said, the walls are torn down, everything's destroyed. And he said, I've got to fix this. I've, I've got to fix this. He just took charge and said, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to do something about it. He said, uh, his whole point in bringing that out, he said, you have to, he said, when I became pastor of this church, I had to receive a call to do it. He said, but on the other hand, I didn't have to receive a call to take care of my wife and my children. There's right. just enough of a cause that had to be done, whether or not, whether or not some voice from heaven said to do it. Right. I and, mean, and that's what you have to take charge of. Is that you got to take charge. You got to do this, whether or not you're getting anything out of it, whether or not there's any benefit to it. Yeah, you're not getting. You're not doing it to receive. Um, 
a gold star on your on your paper or a cookie. I mean, a reward. You're doing it um, just out of godly pr- biblical principles. And at the end of the and day, you know this from experience. If you're a good husband, then your wife will make you cookies. It's exactly right, <laughs> and and it, it, that is right. And it, and if you're a uh, I have not been the best husband, and I just want to tell you, my wife had made, has, as you can, as you can see, has made me plenty of cookies. But at the end of the day, we're all we're all working for that ultimate cookie, right? I mean, for for eternity, you know, eternity. I feel like we took this to to a kindergarten level, but eternity is that ultimate. Whatever your favorite cookie, it could be a snickerdoodle, it could be chocolate chip, it could be peanut butter, M and M's, and and now I'm starting to feel the Holy Ghost. But I mean, that's our ultimate cookie. But we're not. If if and that does, that's a good point. You know, if we're doing things, just expecting a reward, um, then it's never heartfelt and it's it's never sincere. So you're only doing it really out of obligation and out of that expectancy. Well, if I just do this really good job, you know, I'm just I'm gonna get this reward for it, or I'm gonna get honored. No, you're doing this because you are a good man. You're doing this because you're. Um, I don't care if you're considered a pastor, a Sunday school teacher, a youth leader. Um, if you're just a saint, what what did the Bible say? We're called to be Christians, and if you're a Christian, being a Christian is being Christ-like. And if you're being Christ-like, you're obeying every law. You're you're going by every jot and every tittle by the Word of God. And you're covering all the bases. You're not doing it because you're looking for somebody to give you a pat on the back. I mean, all, our ultimate pat on the back is Jesus telling us, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's it. So, and that's another thing. Man, let me, can I just say this real quick? Another word, I, I didn't write this down, but that while I was speaking about, well done, my good and faithful servant, be a servant. Be, that's something that men a lot of people, but men in general, have a hard time being is a servant. Um, you know, in the church, at the work site, um, a lot of the times we're just living for us. Be a servant to other people. Um, quit looking for a position. Quit looking for a title. Quit looking to ad- for that selfish advancement. Serve others. We're here to serve others. It's It's about God and others. It's not about us. Uh, I heard one man put it. One man put it this way. He said, "You know, too many of us, uh, even even when we're at our, at our job, we just have to put up a sign. Men are working, right? Pickets. <laughs> Men are working here today. We we have to announce it to the. We have to announce it to everyone on the road. Men are working, right? <laughs> uh, now, of course, obviously, that's not the real reason behind those signs, but <laughs> right." <laughs> Yeah, it's not about, and I I actually just was talking about this yesterday to the Sunday school class. It's not about praying openly where everyone can see you, but what your father sees in secret, secret. he will reward openly. Exactly. It's like that thought, just when people hear it, they're just like, what? (laughs) What? You you mean I don't have to Instagram every time I go to pray? (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you mean Snapchat doesn't have to hear we're, my prayers. We're, we're, we're real spiritual, you know. <clears throat> when we can talk about the, you know, oh well, I just went on a ten day fast, or, um, you know, you always have those people who are gonna voice, well, God called me to this, but you know, it's so funny. The Bible, people don't focus on the fact that the Bible says obedience is better than sacrifice. You can spend uh, forty days sacrificing on a fast, and all you were doing is uh, uh you were on uh 
a weight loss program and you're probably going to wind up in the hospital mm. because that same person who wants to Instagram, oh, hey, I, f- I fasted, can't, can't obey the simplest of instructions. Mm. So, you know, this is one thing I've been trying to tell people, quit over-sacrificing, you know, and it's not just me. You've heard a lot of people, Brother Nier talks about it. Uh, quit over-sacrificing. Obey. Obey. Mm. Well, what does the Bible say? They're going to say, oh, Lord, I healed in your name. I cast out demons in your name. I did this in your name. We, oh, we all did these wonderful things in the name of Jesus. And we got the Instagram post to prove it. Yeah. But Jesus still says, well, I never knew you. Yeah. Just obey me. Fifty people were healed with this hand. This hand right mm-hmm. here. Or breath. I blew on them. And, I, I blew on them. And, That's right. But... It passed what? out because it was are so you bad. About, are you about to say you were the one that did the healing too? He's exactly. like, no, credit you, didn't, or do the, you didn't do the healing. God did the healing. Mm-hmm. He might have used your hand to do it, but he did the healing. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and quit making things so complicated. Just obey the Bible. Um, quit living. Quit making living for God complicated. If God calls you to a fast and, and, and uh, it keeps you out of church, God didn't call you to a fast. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, if... Yeah. If it keeps you from being a husband or working, and uh, because that's another thing, man. Learn to work. Learn to work. We're, we are talking about men, so I feel, like, I feel like I do have permission to say this. Be a worker. I, I real, I'm thankful for this great United States, which offers freedom, and, and that we do have the opportunity, if you are legitimately disabled, that they will provide you with a check but be the man you're supposed to be. The Bible literally tells us if you provide not for your family, you're worse than an infidel. You know what an infidel is? One who is rejected of God. If we thought about that, mm. yeah. if we really thought about it, God called you to work before he called you to pastor. God called you to, and I don't know, hey, you on internet land, I don't know who this is for. <laughs> But God called you to work before he called you to the evangelistic field. Or to be, to be, I don't care what it is. If you could, cannot even hold down a job for a year of your life, God's not calling you to go be a missionary to Africa or to Asia or Europe somewhere. Be, another word I had was consistent. And can I just read part of that? Marked by harmony, regularity, or steady continuity. You always have the people who's like, hey, I've been to three services in a row. God called me to go do... Okay, when you can show up for a month at a time, we'll talk about it. But until then, get out of my office. (laughs) When you can hold down a job and actually pay you and your family's bills for a month, maybe we'll talk about it. Until then, you're not called to anything except to show up and be faithful. I don't know why I just went to that level, but I felt it for somebody. Hallelujah. (laughs) Amen. Um, there's too often that, I mean, I, I've heard so many preachers tell this story. I went to my pastor, said, Pastor, I'm called to preach. He said, okay, meet me at the church on Saturday. He's like, all right, I'm going to learn how to put notes together, do a sermon. And he gets there and he hands me a broom. All right, let's sweep. Let's mop. <laughs> let's clean some toilets. Yes. This yeah. is it. Yes. I mean, and it, even Servant. Gen- Genesis 3, as I said, it contains all the answers Servant. to all the world. It said, man, you're going to work by the sweat of the brow until the day you die. <laughs> Servanthood. 
He's exactly right. Um, if if a person's not willing just to be a door greeter, uh, and I know this, maybe this is speaking more to the church, um, but it can go with servant servanthood in, 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 in any aspect of your life. It doesn't have to just be the church. Um, but yeah, if they can't even be a door greeter, if they can't, if you're having a church cleaning day and they have every excuse in the book, and and I feel like we're so guilty of that. People show up and all they want is just that leadership. Well, leadership is what I said earlier, being a servant, serving as Jesus was, um, you know, he was the one, he was our cheater man. He was the ultimate man, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, he's perfect, but like Jesus um, exemplified serving, servanthood. I mean, when he saw the people were hungry, he multiplied the fishes and the loaves to feed them um, because he always thought about others before he thought about himself. Um, he turned the water into wine at the wedding. Why? Because he was trying to um, serve others. There's just, I mean, we can go on and on. There's so many different examples, uh, not just Jesus, um, but other great men in the Bible. Uh, we could probably talk about Moses and the millions of people that he led all the time. When, when God wanted to smite them, he stood in the gap for those people. He was a servant to those people all time. Um, and really, uh, Moses is probably considered the first pastor of the Bible and the greatest pastor. Mm-hmm. And can you imagine pastor, pastoring millions of people? No. Um, but even though the pastor is the authority and the voice, and we have to have one, we're a servant to those people. I'm not talking about we are supposed to be the ones out there slaving and mowing and doing, and that sometimes you have to be because you haven't gotten to the point where you have enough people to do that. But I'm talking serving others through love, through the word, through teaching, through compassion. Yeah, absolutely. We have to, it's one of the main key elements is, I I heard it, I I mean, one of the big, Man, you were called to lead. You're supposed to be the leader of your household. You're supposed to take charge, all that. But it's hard to lead if you've never followed. It's hard to lead if you've never followed. And that's the key here. I mean, you, Pastor, <clears throat> and I know, I know you guys believe in preaching submission. Right. <laughs> I know you guys believe in preaching submission. And it, but the thing is, you hear three levels of submission when you're. When you look at the writings, uh, what what was what's written in the Bible, it talks first man submits to God, yeah, and then the woman is submitted to the man, mm-hmm. and that's the that's the pattern there. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing: no one is going to submit to you, man, if you don't first submit. <laughs> well, yeah, you got you got to be the you got to be the example mm-hmm. of submission. If you're a pastor preaching submission, but you don't have a pastor, then don't preach to me about submission you have yeah. to be the that perfect example the, the, another thing that the bible calls it is uh be the first partaker of the fruit and it's, it's we talk about prayer a lot you know uh we we preach it we need to and we do prayer is very important um and then that's another thing man prayer you need to know how to pray but um what what did the, the disciples say to jesus they said teach me to pray jesus was um, our perfect example for everything, obviously. But he was his the perfect example to those disciples. He didn't just say, hey, boys, y'all, you know, y'all need to get it together. Y'all need to go pray. No, he showed them. They said, teach me. And he showed them 
our Father which art in heaven. And there's this, if you break down that whole prayer, it literally gives you detail on how to prayer. It gives you thanksgiving. Yeah. It gives you praise. It gives you um, supplication. It gives you all that through that one prayer. Yeah. I mean, you can look at every prayer in the Bible, but that one, that's the one that we're told. <clears throat> when you pray, pray this. Pray this. Pray. It doesn't, it doesn't say, what does it say? It says it like a certain way, right? Uh, pray in this manner or something like that. Yeah. But when you pray, this is the way to pray. Yeah. yeah. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I mean, it's automatically teaching you to praise him. Hallowed, you're hallowed. You know, I, you're exalted. I mean, it just it just breaks down every, every part. Yeah. And honestly, you could... This is going really deep, and I haven't actually done this. I'm not. There's a lot of people who are are great experts in the tabernacle plan, and, and I'm not. I, I do not claim to be one of those. But you could probably take. I don't even want to say probably. I, you can take, um, the Lord's prayer and the tabernacle plan, and parallel those together. So that would be an awesome Bible study sometime. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Yeah. There you go. That's that's what. It's your assignment today. Go study it out. Look at those two plans. Put them together. It's your assignment. Okay. All right. Um, I think. I hope you didn't have any desire for this candle over here. <laughs> oh. Anyway, I, I think we probably are about to the wrapping up point. Uh, so, when we touched on prayer. Touched on, you need to lead, you need to love your wife, <laughs> you need to love your kids, <laughs> you need to love the people in your life, take care of them. Um, and it says that the example of how Jesus did that, how Jesus led and loved and all these things was that he gave himself. Right. And that's the servanthood. I, I think we've touched on... Just about every element of uh, word. Can, can I say this also? Uh, that's what I was about to ask you. Do you have any yeah, there's words all, you want to We could go on go for on so here. long, but I, I want to be respectful. Also, I, I I actually have to get to work also. But, <laughs> you know, we talked about Job. Um, obviously, Sister Rachel talked about David. And, I mean, I think he's going to be almost everybody's favorite man in the Bible. I mean, uh, I mean he's, how he's, can you go wrong? A man, I, a man after God's I, own I heart, mean, right? Jesus said he's... Um, he's one of the tops. So. But you, you're looking at a man, and, and this is what I love about God. Can I tell everybody that God is not just this this supernatural being with this big hammer trying to slam us every time we get something wrong? All throughout the Bible, you can study God chose people who, who were failures. I mean, God yeah. called people who were failures. And here you have David who was called a man after God's own heart the guy ended up being a murderer and an adulterer mm -hmm. but he still the Bible says that he accomplished the whole will of God mm -hmm. I mean through that he was, a, he was a liar, he was a murderer he was an adulterer but just to say one more thing and we could, like I said, we could say a lot but to say one more thing you know what I always say about David one thing, why he was such a great man and why he was such a man after God's own heart because David, sure, he might have made mistakes. And you can study. There's lots of mistakes he made. There were consequences for his mistakes. His children suffered even because of his mistakes. Um, but David was able to say, I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. yeah. You're right. 
I, when the prophet came to him and approached him after the situation uh, with Bathsheba, he was able to say, oh my goodness, you're right. And he repented. And that's where you, you know, get the scripture created me a clean heart and you're right spirit within me. He was able to have that. And that's, and I, I use the word balance. That's, I think David was a, a very balanced man because he was this great warrior and people would say, oh, David killed his, or Saul called, killed his thousands and David killed his ten thousands. Mm -hmm. But he was also, he was a, he was a warrior. He was a lover. Um, but he knew how, he was a great ruler. He knew how to lead the people, but he also had compassion and he, he knew how to forgive and he knew how to admit when he was wrong. Yeah. Man, we have an issue with that. We do. We need to man up and be able to admit I'm wrong. And don't wait for your spouses, your children. Uh, if you're not married, I don't care if it's your coworker, your brothers and sisters, whoever. Don't wait for them to be the one to come and apologize. Be, being a man is knowing how to say I'm wrong and I'm sorry. And sometimes, even if you're not wrong, saying I'm sorry. So, I mean, just Ooh, wrap up that, with that. That last one. Even when you're not wrong. Yeah, it's a mouthful. It's a mouthful. <laughs> I mean, what Jesus said, he said, if your brother has an ought against you, go make it right before leaving your gift on the altar. It doesn't say if your brother has an ought against you for a reason. It doesn't say if you've done something wrong. It says if someone's got something against you. And I actually think, I might be mistaken, I think it says if you think... If you think he's got something, so that even goes even further. You, he might not, because I, I've been, I've gone up to somebody before and been like, "Man, I'm sorry for this and that. I hope you forget." And they're like, "What? When did you do are that? You talking about?" And you're like, "Well, I just feel like the biggest fool now because I just put myself out there. I let go of my pride. But you know what you did? You wait. You you um, you, you obeyed the word and you fulfilled your biblical obligation." And so you released yourself from that, and it opened up a whole new world of relationship for you, not only with that person, but with God. Mm -hmm. Okay, I think, I think we're going to have to wrap this up, but I feel, <laughs> I, I'm sure we could keep going, but I feel like we need to wrap this up. So, yeah. um, anyone else have any final thoughts before we go on? The only thing I think I could add... Um, when maybe something just on top of everything else said, maybe uh, a thing that I see a lot in myself and other dudes is just to be an encourager. Because uh, that's like a pride yes. thing, not encouraging other people. That's, that's good. That's just, good. Like, especially like... Um, Edify. Yeah. And, and like, in the case of the family, like if you're a wife, uh, like in our case, my wife, she has a ministry, and I believe in her ministry. God's called her to preach, and in that scenario, I need to do my best as a man to encourage her to be all she can be in God, and we need to do that with our kids. That's very good. Our wife, and with people we see in the church, and make complimenting like natural instead of mm -hmm. what is natural, and that's just being complacent and not saying anything at all. It's it's so easy. Um, it's a it's a law of physics. An object at rest tends to stay at rest. Yeah.
but an object in motion. And you men, don't get in motion. Men and women, and I'm and we'll say this and shut up because we got I know we got to wrap up. But that brother Texas, if you if you didn't say one other thing, that was awesome. Was Be good. your spouse's biggest um, hero, biggest encourager. Yes. Be um I don't care because guys, uh, coming from a, a preacher's perspective, um, and there's brother Jakin, myself, brother Texas, brother Daniel over here in the corner. Um, we've gotten up there before and felt like we just preached the biggest flop of our lives. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of times that'll be the sermon where you actually touch somebody. But us personally, we're like, man, I failed. But like my wife, she is my biggest encourager to the point of embarrassment sometimes. <laughs> um, like she is my biggest superhero. And, and if I could have just literally... Stuttered my way through a whole sermon, and she is gonna she is gonna be my biggest encourager. Uh, she might you know find she might have something constructively criticizing to say very rarely, um, but I don't care if you think your spouse and this goes for men and women. I don't care if you think your spouse just did the most awful job of their life where it comes to singing, where it comes to uh, uh, preaching, where it comes to them cooking you a meal. You be their biggest encourager. Don't be the person who's so embarrassed of them you have to walk out. Because, guys, come on. Um, if you study the the household, if you study the husband, the wife, that's the church. That's the church. Be the example of the church. And Jesus, he's not there to slam us when we make a mistake. He's there to lift us up and say, okay, try again. Yep. Absolutely. I think this is on point. This is absolutely great. Uh, And I feel like that's a good place for us to wrap it all up. Yes. So, Brother Roy, lead us out in prayer. Yes, sir. All right. Jesus, we love you, Lord. We thank you, God, for this great opportunity, Jesus, to be uh, not only on Facebook Live, God, but on this podcast. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would take this word, God, and let it uh, plant a seed in somebody's heart, that we would all be great men, Lord Jesus, to lead our homes, to lead our jobs, to lead our churches, uh, but not only men, for the women who are listening also. Let, let us be leaders that they can um, look to and be encouraged by, not somebody to be intimidated by, but somebody uh, to be as an example, Lord Jesus. And let us continue... Um, in your word, let us continue in our walk with God, our relationship, and grow in you. Because, Lord, we know you are coming soon. And you are calling us every day to be closer to you and be a light to this world. Because there's lots of people that are going to die lost if we can't be their example. And if we can't be the only Bible that some people will ever read. So, in Jesus' name, we thank you for what's been done in this place, Lord God. For the work that uh, Brother Jakin and Texas and um, Bethany are doing, Lord Jesus. We thank you for it. And we pray, God, that you would just let it grow. In Jesus' name. Amen.